from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The video showed this young man walking down a beach, picking up and throwing something back in the ocean. An older gentleman comes by and says, what are you doing? And he said, I'm throwing these starfish back in the water. They were washed up. He said, that's not going to make any difference. He said, it'll make a difference to that one. I can always call somebody to help me rather than flounder around. Uh, Yeah, I try to eat healthy too, but I'm hooked on Cheetos. People bring me Cheetos, bless their hearts, on regular occasions, you know. I'm Sarah Fenske. Shirley Norris celebrated 45 years at the Missouri Department of Transportation last month. She also turned 92. Shirley is a project manager for the state agency, and she does that job full-time, decades after many of her contemporaries took retirement. Shirley Norris says she has no plans to retire anytime soon, and she joins us today to share her story and hopefully some of the secrets of her longevity. So Shirley Norris, welcome. Thank you very much. So you turned 92 last month. How did you celebrate? Uh, very quietly. It snowed a lot the day before. Oh, so this was this was bad timing with the St. Louis weather. Yeah, but having a February birthday, it wasn't the first time in 92 years that it ever happened. You've kind of gotten used to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're 92. You're doing this job that I imagine there's probably not many people in their 70s or 80s doing this job at this point. You're the oldest full-time employee in the state of Missouri. Do you know when you hit that milestone? No, I don't. I actually don't. Um, I do know that there were people that have now since retired that started earlier in their life than Mm -hmm. I did that had been there 50 years before they retired. But I actually don't know when I became the oldest one. Yeah. So here you are, and you must like this job. Uh, Apparently, I keep coming back every day. You keep coming back. Why is that? Why have you not been tempted by retirement? Um, First of all, um, because of the lapse of time in my actually going to work and getting out of school, uh, it was still a time when women really weren't welcomed, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the private side. As engineers, people, As engineers, people didn't want to hire you. Correct, correct. And MoDoc gave me a chance. And I've never forgotten that. And I've always been obligated to them. They gave me a chance. They were patient with me. And I turned into having a passion for doing the job. I love that. So take us back. You kind of alluded to the fact that you ended up coming to MoDOT a bit later in life, comparatively speaking. I want to go back to when you're growing up. You grew up in South St. Louis. Correct. Uh, You graduated Southwest High School. This was in 1947. Correct. World War II had just ended at that point. Correct. Was the expectation that you would go to college? That's what girls in the neighborhood did. No, quite the opposite. Even boys, but let alone girls. Very few went to college. Most of them went on to get jobs or some kind of career training, you know. Um, My dad, particularly, was, he had to drop out of 
uh, school, so he, he he was a very caring and knowing person, and he was determined that I was going to be educated in the way I wanted to be educated, hmm. or what I wanted to do. So he, I had his full support, and um, I knew that I was enthralled with mathematics and science. Not so much on the, excuse me, English side or history side, but um, um, I so I started in putting in um, applications. I put an app, uh, and he had an extension uh, branch office to his business in Nashville, Tennessee, where Vanderbilt is. Mm-hmm. He had gotten acquainted with some. Uh, business friends, one of which who had a daughter that was a student at Vanderbilt. And she showed me around the campus in the summer. My mother and I, tra- I was an only child, so my mother and I traveled with my dad a lot because he traveled a lot through the South all the time. And uh, I fell in love with the campus. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. Uh, even then. <laughs> <laughs> and it's grown since then. Yeah. But um, I fell in love with the campus, but I did uh, apply not only to Vanderbilt, but to, we called it Rolla then. Um, the University of Science and Technology. Exactly. Uh, our Rolla School of Mines, whichever. And I also applied to Northwestern. I got accepted at Rolla pretty quickly. But my parents, especially my mother, you remember this is 1947. And young ladies didn't do certain things in 1947. Mm-hmm. So they were a little discouraged about not having housing facilities for women because there was nothing for women. Rolla just wasn't prepared for women to enroll there. No. Wow. No. So my dad said, okay, well, if you end up going there, I'll get you a car. You will be expected to be home at Friday at noon, and you will go back Monday morning. And that will be, so that was the protocol. Oh, that didn't sound too bad. It didn't sound too good. But, you know, I said, okay. Um, I did get accepted at Northwestern, but I did not get accepted at Vanderbilt. And, you know, there's a lot of German in me. And I think the common name for that might be bullheadedness. (laughs) And uh, I said, wait a minute. Um, My dad went to the young lady who who he knew, and she said, wait a minute. In those days, they had a dean of women, a dean of men, you know. She said, a dean of engineering, dean of architect science. She said, "Um, let me check with with the dean of women and see what she knows about this. Well, when she checked with her, she didn't even know I'd applied. Oh, wow. And that raised a commotion. But I have to say that the stars all lined up very strangely in this situation because at the same time, I didn't know it then, but at the same time, the um, president of Georgia Tech at the time was Colonel Van Leer, had five children. Four of them were boys, and the fifth one was a girl. He could not admit the girl to Georgia Tech. So he chose Vanderbilt. 
well, do you think Vanderbilt was going to tell Colonel Van Leer no? So they could not turn away that girl. That maybe opened the door for you? Exactly. Exactly. And so Vanderbilt reversed course and, and decided to let you in after all. Yeah, and there was one other girl from Chattanooga that started with us. And um, I'm, and I think there was a girl, I, I meant to look this up, but I always forget to do it. Um, I think there was a girl from Nashville who started in engineering a couple of years before that. I don't think they ever, I know the one from Chattanooga didn't finish. Um Marilee Van Leer and I both finished. Okay. So you were among the very first female engineering grads at that school. So far as I know, yes. And you were there at a time that the student body was older than it would be before or since, because there's all these <laughs> students coming in on the GI Bill. They, they fought in World War II. That was another downside to the whole thing, of course. Um, why wouldn't they be interested in uh, students who were more mature, and we're on the GI Bill, you know. So I was in the first class after World War II that actually admitted high school graduates because they'd been admitting uh, veterans mostly. So this must have been intimidating, though. You're not just one of very, very few women, that there's some, some seasoned combat veterans also in this engineering school. Is it well, that hard? You know, that's kind of funny. That you mentioned that because um, actually, I think the veterans were more open to open to it. The more uh, experienced with life people mm-hmm. were more open to it than my own age peer group. You know, uh, the boys because they were boys. The others were men. Yeah, the boys were. What do you think? What does she think she's doing? And the men said. It's a good, you do it. Good girl, good girl. So I really made friends with the older ones, and that sort of led to the younger ones. And you know what? I was there to learn. I really didn't care what you thought. So if people were going to make sexist comments, that didn't stop you. No, um, it was good training, by the way. <laughs> for what you'd face in your career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for you know, what, what was likely to come. That kind of stuff just goes off me like water off a duck's back, you know. So you worked for a year after graduating um, in the engineering business, but then you ended up taking off uh, quite a bit of time becoming a, a wife and a mother, uh, stay-at-home mom during those years? Well, we didn't use that term. When a woman got married in the late 40s and early 50s, uh, she didn't go to work. Uh, That's just what society deemed best. Mm -hmm. Uh, My husband was a chemical engineer, and uh, we he changed he changed jobs, um, and we and they moved us. He worked for Union Carbide, and they moved us to a little town on the western slope of Colorado call rifle and uh, at the time so I had stayed home uh, and volunteered 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 Girl Scouts church organist you know all this business you kept busy you just didn't get paid yeah exactly and then uh, two children came along and um, so <laughs> you know 
that's what I did. That's what I was expected to do. And then, unfortunately, he was killed. We were on vacation in Nashville. He was killed by a drunk driver while we were on vacation. And at that time, I had uh, two and one on the way. So, Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, it's it's not meant to be sad. It's just how my life played out. We need to take a break here. We're talking to Shirley Norris. Uh, she is a MoDOT project manager for Jefferson and Franklin Counties. Just a remarkable life story. And we will learn more about what happened after her husband was killed in this tragic accident. Uh, we will return to this conversation with Shirley in just a few minutes. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. Today we are talking to Shirley Norris. She is a project manager for Jefferson and Franklin Counties for the Missouri Department of Transportation. She is the oldest full-time employee in the state of Missouri. She has claimed that title now for quite a few years. Shirley turned 92 last month. She is still going strong. So right before the break, Shirley was telling us about how she had become a stay-at-home mom, raised a couple kids, um, and then just a terrible, terrible thing happened. Um, Your husband was killed by a drunk driver. Right. I understand at this point your kids were seven and nine. Is that right? Yes. So what got you through that time? That must have just been awful. Uh, family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. And and just just help from everybody, you know, that uh, guided me around. And I think, again, my dad. Your you know, dad was there for you. My dad was there, Yeah. So this, it was at this period of your life that you ended up going back to work. Was that out of financial necessity at that point? Well, as time passed, my husband was, um, I guess you would say, an insurance nut and uh, uh, left us in very good shape. Uh, so I dedicated myself to keeping on volunteering and raising kids. Uh, but they grew up and went to college. And insurance doesn't go with cost of living. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I had to do something. So I did a part-time job in a paint store for a while. Uh, that really wasn't cutting the mustard. So uh, by this time, my son was about to graduate from Rolla. And um, he kept getting interviews from MoDOT, or Missouri Highway Department, as it was known in those days. And he said, hey, Mom, maybe you ought to try there because I tried on the private side and kind of got snubbed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wandered in. Our office was in, uh, St. Louis office was in Kirkwood uh, at the time. I sort of wandered in the back door and uh, up the stairs and to the design engineer's office. And he welcomed me in, and I told him my story, and he said, you know, he says, I've got a daughter about that age. They're not stupid. And he said, uh, let let me, he said, and at the meantime, I picked up a job at Step Brothers. Um, 
on the board uh, drawing wells. It was a sweatshop, okay. more or less, in the basement. Oof. You know, somebody watching everything, whatever, $2.85 an hour. Uh, and he said, Mom, you got a degree. You don't need to be doing that. So I wandered into the highway department, and he said, let me see what I can do. He said, I'm the, with your lack, by this time it was 1977. You'd been out of the workforce for a long 29, time. 29, 30 years, yeah. yeah. Uh, away from engineering and the whole nine yards, you know. So <laughs> he said, let me see what I can do. But I, I can guarantee you it it will be lower. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care, you know. Next day he called me, he says, I can offer you a job at entry level. I said, I'll take it. And so what it converted to was a job on the second floor of the building where there was sunshine and windows and trees and all that and $3.85 an hour. So this is a big step up. It was. And from then on, it was just good all the way. It sounds like you really love working for MoDOT. I do. What, what makes this job so good? I guess, I guess it's the people. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think it's, um, even in those days, uh, MoDOT supervision was a lot different than it is now, of course, because that always changes, but um, they were always caring, mm-hmm. and they, they gave me a chance, and I've just never forgotten it. And you have given them a lot back. I mean, you've worked you've worked really hard now for forty five years. Tell me a little bit about your daily routine. You still go into the office every day? Well, depending, not with the pandemic, of course. Yeah, that was a hard adjustment. Yeah, you had to switch to working remotely. Yeah, and um, like I say to everybody, I and and the people that know me have heard me say this before. I'm a little bit electronically challenged. However. You have to realize I went all the way through college using a slide rule. Most people say, a what? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Google it. (laughs) I will have to do that after the show, yeah. But so you've had to learn these new technologies as they've come. You use a computer, you figured out Zoom. And again, again, the people at MoDOT, I can always call somebody to help me rather than flounder around. That's what I call family. Yeah, that's great. And I don't know where you could find a better work environment. So I understand you come in super early in the morning. Are you the first one there most days? Nah, sometimes, sometimes not. I do that mostly because it's not so crowded on the road. You drive yourself in. Oh, yeah. And what what time do you normally get there? Uh, Somewhere between 6 and 6.30. Okay. You're getting there early. <laughs> and you're putting in, you're you're there all day. Well, I always say I go in early. I put in eight hours, and so I'll leave before four. Yeah. Well, that never happens. <laughs> you end up staying late. Sometimes, sometimes not. Yeah. yeah. I understand every day you wear a starfish pin. You're wearing that uh, today. I can see it on, yes. your, on your collar. What, what's the symbolism of that? It, the symbolism is I feel I can make a difference. I can still make a difference. And it comes from back in the early to mid-90s. Um, I was fortunate enough to have been chosen to uh, 
uh, participate in a quality improvement program for MoDOT. Um, before that time, we were very, as most businesses are, top-down. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea for quality improvement was to start bottom-up. Uh, empowerment, I think, is a good word for that. I was lucky enough, we had five-day training sessions, and I was lucky enough to have been chosen to do 22 of those throughout a few years. Um, One of the first things we did in that training was show a movie uh, tape about making a difference Hmm. and how teamwork makes a difference. Everybody can make a difference. We went into personality styles. We went into listening techniques, uh, talking techniques, the whole thing. Okay, but the the video showed this young man walking down a beach, picking up and throwing something back in the ocean. An older gentleman comes by and says, what are you doing? And he said, I'm throwing these starfish back in the water. They were washed up. He says, that's not going to make any difference. He said, it'll make a difference to that one. Hmm. And that was our theme. We can make a difference. I, if you don't see this pin on me, oh, sometimes I've forgotten it, but I keep one at the office just in case. Um, but it means I, I don't think I can make a difference anymore. Hmm. And so you're continuing to wear that pin. You're continuing to go to work. Yeah. I understand your dad worked until he was 86. This, yeah. This runs in the family, yeah, this desire to keep working. Although your daughter has now retired. Correct. She beat you to it. <laughs> yes, <that's> right. <laughs> I love it. So as you've gotten older and you're still, you're managing these projects that involve millions and millions of dollars, you know, there is a lot of age discrimination in our world. At first you faced gender discrimination coming up. Now that you're older, do you feel like sometimes you have to persuade people, no, 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 like, I got this? Um, not really. Again, if that aura is out there, I probably would just ignore it. Yeah. And just keep on doing what I like to do and what I think I know how to do. And I tell my boss regularly, you got to tell me when I'm not doing the job anymore. He says, don't worry, I will. You would want them to, yes. to at that point, fill yes. you in. Yes. yes. At that point, would you retire? Of course. You would. I mean, I'm paid with taxpayers' money. Yeah. If I'm not producing, somebody needs to tell me so. So you're there as long as you can do a good job. That's your Correct. that's your mantra. Well, you know, here's a funny thing. That right after my birthday, and it being right after the 45th anniversary of uh, working at Modot, someone said to me, do you realize if you stay two more years, you will spend half your life at MoDOT? I said, you know, I need another good goal. That's my new goal. That's a good goal. Two more years. I love it. Well, so I've been very curious because I feel like I also, I love my job. I want to keep doing my job until I'm 94. (laughs) (laughs) And I understand you have some secrets to your longevity here. (laughs) What, What keeps you going? Cheetos, cookies, and coffee. (laughs) <laughs> that does not sound like what the doctor would tell me is going to help me make it to 94. Do you also like healthy food? Uh, yeah, I try to eat healthy too, but I'm hooked on Cheetos. Anybody that knows me will tell me, and people bring me Cheetos, bless their hearts, on regular occasions, you know. Cookies I've always loved. Coffee, it just comes with the program. It works, Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What do you do for fun when you're not uh, putting in these 40-hour-plus weeks? Um, anymore, not as much physical stuff as I used to do. I used to do swimming and horseback riding and all that kind of business, bicycle riding. That's not a good idea at this age. Yeah. Um, I work a lot of crossword puzzles. I, I'm sort of hooked on that. I um, have an iPad, and I work a lot of jigsaw puzzles on the iPad. So even when you're off work, you're keeping your mind busy. I, I can't turn it off. But interestingly enough, and lucky that I, I am this way, the minute I decide it's time to go to bed, boom, I'm up. Really? You have no trouble sleeping? No trouble sleeping. And since you're getting up at the at the crack of dawn, do you go to bed pretty early? Mm, not really. Not really? <laughs> <laughs> you like to stay up late. Well, not as late as I used to. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm usually down by 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Okay. Wow. So you're running on not that much sleep, but you, I mean, you got a lot of energy. It's, it seems like you feel great. It ain't broke, so I'm not trying to fix it. I love it. Well, Cheetos, coffee, and cookies. That is going to be my new mantra. I am going to make it to 94. Um, don't hold me to that. But, Shirley, you are an inspiration to us all. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing about your life and your work. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope we can have you back in a couple of years when you pass that milestone half your life at MoDOT. It's a date. All right. Shirley Norris, thank you so much. Uh, Shirley is the project manager uh, for the Missouri Department of Transportation. She runs the work in Jefferson and Franklin counties. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.